Sweetlight to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? on Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. And, oh, I don't squeak the microphone here. Welcome, welcome to this beautiful Tuesday in Southern California in the Shire, right here on the campus of UCI where there is actually Middle Earth and Ring Road. And we are KUCI, we are Orange County's alternative radio station. I think we're one of the only indie stations in Orange County right now. No commercials, freeform music, music you won't hear on any radio station, mainstream radio station, because that's our passion to bring you music and shows that... um, Art, what you're hearing. So, greetings. <laughs> you know, there's some days when I really miss the Hobbit. My dear Milo Loams down, the Hobbit co-host. <clears throat> but one can still hope he may someday come back. And that amazing music that you heard in the background was, in fact, the Academy Award winning soundtrack from The Fellowship of the Ring. And that was the track, the... There it is again, the Council of Elrond. So, greetings, thank you. I want to say especially uh, thank you to anyone who donated during our fund drive that we had going on for uh, 10 days, just ended last Friday. You can still donate. Don't be shy. You can always donate tax-deductible donation through our website at KUCI.org, where you can also find... The listing of our all of our programs, upcoming bands, ticket giveaways. Um, there's a couple of articles up there. I think there's one about the elf and music reviews. So yeah, please check out our website at KUCI.org or our public affairs website at KUCITalk.org. Most of our public affairs programs can be recalled on podcast through our website. If you just go to archives and scroll down to podcasts and choose your the show you're looking for, you might be happily surprised. And my shows are generally up there. And just to let you know, in case you are tuning into the podcast, very often I share copyrighted material in the way of music or perhaps uh, playing an audio clip or a reading from... Um, uh, a copyrighted reading from a book, and so those things all have to be edited out for the podcast. But I will always give you the information on where to find the material or the music. So coming up a little bit later in this show, we will have um, a little offering from the Hobbit soundtrack, which I absolutely love. One of the f- things I fell in love with most with the Lord of the Rings movies and the tales of Middle-earth was the incredible music that Howard Shore created for them with all of the musical motifs for the Shire, the Ring, the Elves, Mordor, the Ents. Absolutely amazing. And if you are interested in that sort of thing, you may want to take a look at a book called The Music of the Lord of the Rings Movies by Doug, I think it's Doug Adams or Douglas Adams, and uh, it's, it's just beautiful. He collaborated with Howard Shore over many years, 
and a lot of really interesting, beautiful things about the making of the music of Middle Earth. So, I am Tani Tanuvio. I am the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. This is What Would Arwen Do? And we stream also live through the internet in case you have friends who may want to tune into any of our programs. You can tell them they can catch us on the internet through iTunes or through our website at KUCI.org. And you can contact me, I would love to hear you, at askanelf at yahoo.com. Askanelf at yahoo.com. And so if you're tuning in for the very first time, you may be wondering what this show is all about. Well, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? So it's somewhat based on my now going on 11 years over 11 years, actually, of my life as an elf, my grand experiment that turned into a grand adventure, I thought, well, what if I lived like an elf? Would I, my life be any better, any worse? And amazingly so, my life was transformed on many levels. I got over phobias. One was a phobia of dragonflies. I now love dragonflies because elves wouldn't be afraid of dragonflies. And my weight problem went away, not that I was extremely overweight, but I was always kind of struggling. Started eating like an elf. No more weight problem. Haven't had one for years and years. So when things come up in life, a lot of times people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And I think that is a wonderful question. I often like to ask, well, what would Jesus like for me to do uh, in this situation? But I also like to ask, what would Arwen do? What would an elf do? And in case you don't know who Arwen was, she is part of J.R.R. Tolkien's created mythology of Middle-earth, and she was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, who was a prince among elves and the lord of Rivendell. And you find out all about these things in The Lord of the Rings and even in The Hobbit, which uh, Elrond is still there. And uh, many years, I think it's about 60 years actually, before the adventures of the War of the Ring. I believe that Arwen embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light, a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or an elvish Arda. So I believe that Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige, and I often feel that way. Living here in uh, Newport Beach slash Irvine, I live in Newport, work in Irvine, privileged to be part of this amazing community here at KUCI. I live in one of the places on the planet, or at least in the United States, that has the most amazing weather. Today, it's lovely and overcast. Yesterday, it was about 80 degrees, and so today we have weather, like cloudy weather, and uh, then it's supposed to be 80 tomorrow. Um, We don't I don't know, many of us don't actually put away all of our summer clothes because you never know when it's going to be nice and warm. So my uh, heart goes out to those of you who are already experiencing lots of uh, rain and cold and sleet or any of those types of things. But come to Southern California. I know some people would say, no, no, no more people here. But uh, you could always come for a visit, pop in and say hello to the elf. So... There are some things that, uh, wonderful, fun things that I want to share with you. Oh, before I go too much further, though, I do want to say, um, 
hello, a little shout out to any of my friends who may be listening here in Southern California or uh, through the internet, perhaps up in Washington, Canada, on the East Coast. I haven't, uh, haven't talked to some of you in a while. My computer at home is kind of down, kind of down. Well, my, com- my monitor went out. So I'm getting a computer um, sometime. A friend of mine is giving me a computer with all the things. <laughs> things meaning monitor, printer, computer. Um, But they're in a different area, so I'm not sure when I'll be getting that. So anyway, all of that to say that um, I haven't been able to talk to some of my friends on Torque, my favorite talking message board, theonering.com. If you are interested in the worlds of Middle Earth, in things um, having to do with the the movies or the books or the fans of the works of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, then uh, there are two wonderful message boards. One is a wonderful community, more community-based, and I believe that is theonering.com, and the one that's a little more fan-based is Torn, theonering.net. And um, so you can find out in all kinds of information about things that are going on with the making of the movies, and with uh, and I, my understanding, I spoke to Kathy from uh, Torn about a week or so ago, and she said that I guess they just announced uh, recently that the world premiere of The Hobbit is going to be in Los Angeles this year. It's previously with the Lord of the Rings, and I believe also with yeah, and with the other Hobbit, it's been in New Zealand. The world premiere has, but this year it's going to be right here in L.A. The elf won't be going as much as I love those type of things. I don't really travel much, especially away up into the Los Angeles, which is <clears throat> so much concrete and freeways. But I will be certainly, most certainly, enjoying the movies and The Hobbit coming out. I believe it's on December 13th of um, this year, so not that far away. Actually, today's the 13th, so it might be a month from today. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. So, lots of wonderful things going on at the movies right now. I don't know if you have, have had a chance to see Ender's Game. I, I want to see that. Hoping to see that this weekend. The end of this month, um, the second installment of The Hunger Games is coming out. I believe that's Catching Fire. And then The Hobbit, just a couple of weeks after that. So, lots of great things going on. And so, I wanted to... Oh, and one other thing... Um, oh, a special hello and shout out to my friends who may be listening around here. John Paul, Alicia, Clyde, a new listener, Claire, and Maria, and uh, Ro, who may be listening from down at Escondido, and Jim, the keeper of the fur children. But uh, I announced, uh, I believe last week, and I'm hoping to have him on the show again, Max McLean is going to be returning to Southern California to the campus of UCI at the Barclay Theater, Irvine Barclay Theater, which is adjacent to UCI right here on the campus, 4242 Campus Drive, with a return performance of the Screw Tape Letters, the uh, probably one of the most famous of all of C.S. Lewis's works. Um, the book is the book is basically about letters of an elder demon to a younger demon about how to corrupt a young man so he doesn't become a Christian. And basically, um, the demons refer to God as the enemy, and it's just it's a it's a wonderful satire. And if you haven't read it, you might want to pick that up. 
because today we are, okay, I'm going to trust in technology. Technology is our friend. Maybe it's just my headphones. Anyway, Max McLean is going to be here performing the screw tape letters on, uh, right between Christmas and New Year's. So only four uh, performances, the 27th through the 29th, uh, right here at the Irvine Barclay Theater. So you can uh, go to screwtapeonstage.com for information, or you can call uh, 949-854-4646, extension 1. And they do have discounted rates for groups of 10 or more. It's a wonderful thing to get a bunch of friends together or people from your church or whatever and um, go see the screw tape letters. So let's see. I'm going to just kind of, I think I'm going to play some music and check everything out before we move on to the next thing. One of the things we're going to talk about today is the fact that it's 50 years since C.S. Lewis died or I like to think of it as passed from this life into the the next aspect of our eternal life, uh, the one that's non-physical in this world. And a lot of people don't know that C.S. Lewis actually died on the very same day that J.F. Kennedy was assassinated. So it's a a sad time remembering that tragic event. Um, But I think sometimes people forget that C.S. Lewis, who contributed so much, I believe, to um, to life for us, and to especially to those of us uh, of the Christian faith, and uh, he left this planet on the same day. So we can talk a little bit about that, and I'll have a special. Well, I'll let you know when I come back about the special, special thing that we're doing in the second hour. Um, I'm going to play from The Hobbit, the track, uh, the Misty Mountains cold and so this is the whole song sung by the dwarves in on the soundtrack from the hobbit this is kci in irvine that the first song was not the Misty Mountains Cold, as I had 
announced. But uh, this is the wonderful thing about soundtracks. Sometimes you get a two-CD set, which <laughs> this is, which gives you more music. But you must be a little more um, paying attention as an elf. I should be paying a little more attention to make sure I get the right disc first. As it turned out, track number five, which is Misty Mountains Cold on disc one, is called Overhill on disc two. And it was wonderful because it was kind of a little um, sampling of a number of the motifs, including the song, the instrumental part of the Misty Mountains Cold. So it kind of transitioned very nicely. I was very grateful for that. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuville. This is What Would Arwen Do? And as usual, the opinions and views expressed are those of the elf host and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of KUCI, UCI, or the UC Board of Regents. So, you know, if you've uh, been listening for a while, you know I like to share things that I hope will be inspirational for you uh, in your life and in your adventures and journeys. And uh, I mentioned before we had the music, and again, if you tune into podcasts, please realize that we have to edit out all copyrighted music. So, but I always give you the information about where you can find it. And uh, I'm very grateful for the beautiful music of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. So this is, uh, as of uh, November 22nd, will be 50 years ago that that, um, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, a very tragic day. It's kind of one of those things that people often say, everyone knows, most everyone remembers where they were on that day, and I, I certainly do. I was in... Um, elementary school, you know, I guess that dates me, but yes, and sitting at a desk, and it was just, it was just one of those, I didn't even grasp really what the depth of, of what that meant, that the president had been shot, but I knew it was really bad, and the teacher was crying, and oh, it was, yeah. So most of us, I, I believe, do remember that. And, but it was also the very same day that J.R., I mean, that not J.R. Tolkien, that C.S. Lewis, who was one of the dearest friends of J.R.R. Tolkien, in fact, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien has uh, written and said that were it not for his friendship with C.S. Lewis, The Lord of the Rings never would have uh, been finished and come to print. So we have another debt of gratitude to C.S. Lewis in addition to the wonderful things that he wrote to share with us on matters of faith and, of course, the beautiful Chronicles of Narnia and many um, essays and um, things to ponder. Another person, uh, 20 years, um, not uh, not on the 22nd, but on October 31st, 1993, Joaquin Phoenix. So he passed from the circles of this world that day, a very young, unamazing talent. Um, And so, you know, it always makes me think about the nature of death and of things like that. I've been visiting, or I think I'm going to become quite involved at a a lovely Anglican church. I think I've mentioned before that I was going to join the Roman Catholic Church. I've been an evangelical and through various phases of um, the Christian walk. 
And but I love liturgy. I love the liturgical aspect of you know you can go to this church and you hear you know this message and about what God wants you to do and what Jesus said and how to interpret it. And then you can go to this church and it's com- something completely different. What I do like about the liturgical churches is the historical aspect of it, that this is kind of the things that we have always affirmed through the ages, you know, about who Jesus was, about what his mission was on this earth, about who we are, uh, who follow him, what our calling in life and afterlife is, and Jesus on, you know, the, the night before he was betrayed, um, shared with his disciples, he washed their feet and said, you know, the greatest among you will be, you know, will be servants. People will know you by your love for each other. And he also gave them the tradition of the commun- of communion, of the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine in remembrance of uh, what he has done and what he has given us, the great gift. The, and as they call it in church, the uh, gifts of God for the people of God. And so I, I love that, and I love being able to have communion. I look forward to it. I have personal communion, but that's not the same as when you get together with the rest of, or not the rest, but many of the other community of believers to uh, celebrate uh, the wonderful gift that we have. And so this last week, I had the most delightful discovery, and I hope it will be good news for some of you as well, especially if you are a listener from here at uh, UCI, perhaps a student, perhaps even a, an Asian student or someone from China or Taiwan, because the person who did, the um, priest who um, gave the, serm- the message was the chaplain of Canterbury, Irvine, which is the Episcopal Campus Ministry at UC Irvine. And they are right here in the Interfaith Center in building number 319. In fact, on Tuesdays at 5.30, so coming up in just an hour if you happen to be about campus and want to go over, um, they have a Bible study. And it says, everybody is welcome. And so this is the Episcopalian Church. So it would be church in the um, tradition of the Anglicans, of C.S. Lewis and um, the Church of England. It says, Canterbury, Irvine is a welcoming community for all of God's children, especially those who live, work, and learn at the University of California, Irvine. And the Reverend is Dr. Finney Chang. She was absolutely delightful, had an uh, amazing message about how everlasting life doesn't have to be, you know, we have this that we do now, and then everlasting life is what we do after we die. You know, it's, it really can be starting now, <laughs> especially in um, our love and serving of each other and the joy that some of those things bring us. So this is an Episcopal campus ministry. And the brochure here says, but you do not need to be an Episcopalian to join. You only need a desire to explore and grow in your spiritual life. And it says, it's a place of community, play, prayer, exploration, grace, service, home away from home, and free food. Yep, free food. So if you're interested, on Thursdays, they actually have a weekly fellowship and dinner. It's at 5.30 in the Interfaith Center, 
And then it's followed by a community meal at 6.30. And it says here, you're welcome to join at any time. And then on Tuesdays at 5.30 in the Interfaith Center, they have a Heavenly Talk series. So I don't know that it's all necessarily straight um, Bible, st- it's not Bible study, but it's uh, obviously going to be biblically biblically based, but I think they have like uh, sometimes some videos that they show and discuss or books that they discuss. And they're also involved in uh, outreach to the uh, community. So they participate in events like the Crop Walk and they help with Habitat for Humanity. So I know sometimes people are very far away from home and here we are approaching the holidays and I always feel, you know, kind of you know, sorry for students who are so away from, you know, many are away from their homes for the very first time, um, away from their families during the holiday season, you know, for an extended time. And a lot of, you know, I actually think that the time leading up to the holidays is one of the wonderful parts of it, Uh, you know, the anticipation of it and even the shopping, although I'm not that crazy about parking lots. Um, But, you know, Buying gifts for those that we care about and getting a gift, or even if we don't give a gift, even just a sending a card or making a phone call or getting together and celebrating each other's company. So um, it says that their door is open, so maybe you might like to explore, especially if you happen to be a fan of the work of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, you might want to uh, check out the Canterbury Irvine and next week so that'll be a week from today today is the 13th so that will be the 20th I believe next Tuesday Um, the Reverend Dr. Finney Chang is going to be on What Would Harwin Do? So she's coming in for an interview and I'm very much looking forward to that she's an amazing woman she came from Taiwan and uh, has a real heart to reach out to the Asian community here on the UCI campus. So if you'd like information, um, the email is Canterbury Irvine, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y, Irvine, at gmail.com. The address, well, it's P.O. Box 4599, Irvine, 92616. Their phone number in case you'd like to call and get some information, 949-856-0211, 949-856-0211, extension 2. And, um, yeah, so this is the Episcopal Campus Ministry at UC Irvine, and they are located, again, in the Interfaith Center, Building 319, between Engineering and Middle Earth. Yay! So, today is Tuesday, and they actually will be having a, a little heavenly talk series today at 5.30 p.m. if you want to check that out or perhaps go over for fellowship and dinner on this coming Thursday or or an upcoming Thursday. So that was very exciting and and it was wonderful because, um, you know, I've been thinking this week there's a lot of things on television right now with regard to Kennedy, Jeff Kennedy and... um, and I was thinking, oh, you know, also about C.S. Lewis and thinking about, I actually wanted to bring in a book that has some excerpts and a wonderful little excerpt that he has on purgatory. And so I don't believe in purgatory in the sense of 
that it's some place that you have to go after you pass from this world to um, work off your sin, you know, any work off anything else that you still have to atone for before you can get to heaven. I actually believe that Jesus did all of that work for us, but I do believe that there might be a transition place for maybe for some people who aren't still aren't sure or they're not ready quite to make that transition or I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He talks about how if you were have been, you know, playing outside in the dirt all day and making mud pies and you're having a grand time and you're all dirty and you've been sweaty and your hands and clothes are dirty and you know you're going to a to a beautiful banquet with all of your favorite food and all of your favorite people uh in the evening you would want to go somewhere and get cleaned up. So you'd want to get take a bath and get rid of your dirty clothes and put on your nice clothes and get prepared for this beautiful festive event. And that's kind of what purgatory is. A place, you know, for, for some it may be a very short place just to take a nice warm bath and scrub behind your ears and put on the clean clothes and get, getting ready for the banquet. And um, so... Yeah, so it's just, uh, I, I love C.S. Lewis, and I'm so sad that he has been gone. He's been gone now for 50 years, but I bet he's been having a grand time um, in the presence of the Lord. And I don't know how time plays out in those places. Um, maybe it's similar to here. Maybe not. Maybe we just go instantly into the timeless place. Uh, but we'll, we, won't get, we don't get to know about that right now. So the other thing that's wonderful about uh, this thing over at Canterbury, Irvine, is free food. And I work at um, some place where we pass out food samples. And I know a, one of the things that's really nice for students is free food. And so it'll be free food and, very, um, and fun fellowships. So I would imagine that there are other things, and, and Dr. Fanny Chang is going to be here next week, so I hope you'll come and spend some time with me and get to spend some time with her as well. She's so delightful, and she shared a bit of her story of how she got came here from Taiwan, and uh, I'm excited to share that with you next week. So one more thing I want to announce is that the Blue and Gold Report will not be on today because of the holiday on uh, yesterday. We don't, we don't have a, a show for uh, UCI Athletics this week. So I am going to take the opportunity in the hour from 5 to 6 to play a CD of one of my favorite works of C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, which is uh, a, it's called A Dream, but it's really a kind of a glimpse into heaven and heaven and hell. <laughs> and it says here on the, on the back of the description of it, in The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis' classic vision of the afterworld, the narrator boards a bus on a drizzly English afternoon and embarks on an incredible voyage through heaven and hell. He meets a host of supernatural beings far removed from his expectations and comes to some significant realizations about the nature of good and evil. And it's very interesting because, you know, he goes up, he finds himself in, you know, pretty much what's considered hell, and then everybody gets to get on this bus, and then... They go, and then when they get off the bus, people come to meet them to talk to them about taking the further journey up to the, up into the mountains where it's kind of implied Jesus is. And, you know, where, where 
everything is wonderful. And many people, some people go, some people have a lot of excuses why they can't go at that time or don't want to go at that time or, you know, it's going to be boring or whatever. And uh, But one of the people that meets, the person that comes to meet C.S. Lewis is actually George MacDonald, who C.S. Lewis um, had so much love and respect for. And I did bring his book here with me today. There's a wonderful book called C.S. Lewis, um, by C.S. Lewis called George MacDonald, an anthology, 365 readings. And in the preface here, now, George MacDonald um, was, let's see, well, he's in, let's see, he was like in the 1800s. I know it's here somewhere, the dates of, um, he was born, yes, in 1824, at Huntley in Aberdeenshire and entered King's College in 1840. So, C.S. Lewis writes about um, about George MacDonald. What he does best is fantasy, fantasy that hovers between the allegorical and the mythopoeic. And this, in my opinion, he does better than any man. The critical problem with which we are confronted is whether this art, the art of myth-making, is a species of the literary art. And so he goes on to, to say some things. And then, I love this, he talks about his experience. He says, It must be more than 30 years ago that I bought almost unwillingly, for I had looked at the volume on that bookstall and rejected it on a dozen previous occasions, the Everyman edition of Fantastes. A few hours later, I knew that I had crossed a great frontier, which, as a little aside, I will say, that is exactly how I felt after I saw the night I saw the Fellowship of the Ring, I knew something had happened. <laughs> so he says, A few hours later, I knew that I had crossed a great frontier with the finding of Fantasties. I had already been waist-deep in Romanticism, and likely enough at any moment to flounder into its darker and more evil forms, slithering down the steep descent that leads from the love of strangeness to that of eccentricity and thence to that of perversity. Now, Fantastes was romantic enough in all conscience, but there was a difference. Nothing at that time, nothing was at that time further from my thoughts than Christianity, and I had therefore no notion what this difference really was. I was only aware that if this new world was strange, it was also homely and humble. That if this was a dream, it was a dream in which at least, one at least felt strangely vigilant that the whole book had about it a sort of cool, morning innocence, and also, quite unmistakably, a certain quality of death, good death. What it actually did to me was to convert, even to baptize, my imagination. So, uh, George MacDonald and his quotes, I love this book of the anthology of readings from his work, and uh, you can pick this up at your local bookstore. Um, let's see if there's some of my, any of my favorite ones that I was just reading some the other night, <clears throat> and, um, it, it's, it's wonderful for, um, meditation, you know, just for contemplation, you know, as a yogi, I do like to do a little, um, meditation, there's a wonderful, okay, here's one, which, um, I see also is called bondage. A man is in bondage to whatever he cannot part with that is less than himself. 
Isn't that pretty cool? And then, uh, let's see, this one, Uncontentment or Perspective. Let me, if I may, be ever welcomed to my room in winter by a glowing hearth, in summer by a vase of flowers. If I may not, let me think how nice they would be and bury myself in my work. I do not think that the road to contentment lies in despising what we have not got. Let us acknowledge all good, all delight that the world holds, and be content without it. Yeah. So, oh, I love this on salvation. The notion that the salvation of Jesus is a salvation from the consequences of our sins is a false, mean, low notion. Jesus did not die to save us from punishment. He was called Jesus because he should save his people from their sins. Not from the punishment, but that's in there too. So you might want to pick up some of George MacDonald's work, especially Fantasties, an amazing, amazing fairy tale for adults. And uh, The Princess and the Goblin is a wonderful book as well. So I think we'll have a little more music. And then we're going to go on, oh, something wonderful, a free gift that is being offered right now from Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra that I hope you'll be excited to hear about. Maybe a way to welcome in and get ready for the upcoming holidays. But in the meantime, let's have a little music from the Shire. And this from some Shire music from the Lord of the Rings, the complete recordings. This is KUCI in Irvine. Yes, that is the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Complete Recordings. I'm Tani Genuvio. This is What Would Arwen Do? And I hope my microphone is working right. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about uh, C.S. Lewis. I wanted to kind of transition again, if you will stay with me at the 5 o'clock hour. We will be, um, I'm going to be playing a reading of C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. And I got to hear a little bit of, the, of this at the library earlier. And it's a wonderful, almost like a performance of it. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be sharing that with you coming up at 5 o'clock. So, it's still, there's still time. You may know that I often mention about... Um, being mindful about our lives and intentional about the things that we do. And sometimes I think it's good to examine the things that we're doing and see if they still work for us. So a lot of times we go along in life and we have traditions or things that we do, and we've never really thought about whether it still serves us. And uh, a lot of times it's maybe something, a habit that we've developed that we weren't aware of or didn't think about. Um, a way of being, maybe we've gotten a habit of being cranky with our uh, mom or, you know, just there's all kinds of things. And sometimes there are traditions like um, eating meat 
<laughs> or killing turkeys at Thanksgiving and putting them on the table when there is so much other wonderful food that we can enjoy. And especially considering what has now, you know, developed into commercial farming. So you may be aware that I am um, an advocate, passionate advocate of the um, Adopt-A-Turkey program, which is brought to us by our friends um, at farmsanctuary.com. And it will give you alternative ideas for turkey. You can actually adopt a turkey rather than eat one. And there's many things that people don't realize about turkeys. Um, In fact, they have something on here called, um, I think they have... um, Fun facts or something like that. Um, Let's see. Farm Sanctuary. There's a blog. There's holiday gifts. There's an Adopt a Farm Animal program, which is wonderful. And the other thing that I... On their Adopted Turkey program... Okay, want to go back to this other part. Where, um, oh, here we are, adopt a turkey. And they have these wonderful uh, facts about turkeys that you, and the thing is that when you look at turkeys, even when you look at these pictures of the turkeys, you know, turkeys just don't enamor themselves to people very much. And so they, um, you know, like little puppies or kittens or koala bears or something. But turkeys are amazing little animals. And nowadays they are bred to, um, to, because everybody wants a lot of breast meat on their turkeys, their Thanksgiving turkeys. So they now, in addition to be- de-beaking them, where they cut off their little beaks, sometimes without even any anesthetic, and a lot of times, you know, pump them full of antibiotics and things like that and hormones so that they will uh, mature faster for the chopping block. But they also have bred them so much to where their they get so fat and their breasts are so big that their little turkey legs can't even support them. So it breaks their legs. Um, their little legs break just from the weight of their own, you know, from being so obese. So I just want to invite you to think about this year adopting a turkey or just, you know, if you don't buy a turkey this year, maybe next year they won't kill so many turkeys to meet the demand. And I believe that last year... Um, I don't know. You can, I had this information up here before and now I've done something with it. Um, about how many turkeys are, millions of turkeys that are, you know, killed every year for the um, turkey season. And let's see, you're t- there's turkeys that you can adopt. Anyway, please visit Farm Sanctuary and look at the Adopt-A-Turkey program. We're almost out of time today. Um, but consider starting a new tradition in your home, especially for your children. You know, maybe you've always had turkey for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, but maybe your children or your grandchildren, um, I mean, if you ever, if you've thought about it, I know so many people that have shared with me that they went to turkey dinner, didn't have turkey. Milo Lumsdown, my wonderful Hobbit co-host, uh, who used to be here with me, um, experimented one Thanksgiving and came back and reported that he had such a lovely dinner. He was 
full as he could be of all of the wonderful side dishes and enjoyed all of the other things and had lots of room for plenty of dessert and pumpkin pie. And he said he didn't even miss not having that turkey. So in addition to that, you don't have to worry about salmonella poisoning or all of that special handling of poultry in your kitchen and around other food or getting food poisoning. So something just to think about, you know, about starting a new tradition in your home. And a lot of times when we let go of an old behavior that doesn't serve us anymore, it takes a while to practice doing it the new way before that becomes um, more pleasurable and desirable. So, you know, hang with it because I, I think you'll, in the end, you'll enjoy that you have done that. So anyway, just something to think about. Adopt a turkey rather than buying a turkey to eat. So there's a wonderful little thing in this book, uh, Earth Prayers from Around the World, and in the section here on the benediction for the animals, um, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago that I shared the prayer of um, Albert Einstein, I mean, sorry, Albert Schweitzer, and in fact, I think I'm just going to share it again today because it's so lovely. And, oh, the thing I have to tell you about, though, before we run out of time, the special thing with Oprah and Deepak, they are offering a free 21-day meditation. This is wonderful. It's about 20 minutes long, 21 days consecutively. They even have a little online journal. So this is through Sh- the Chopra Center Meditation.org. And uh, so it's C-H-O-P-R-A Center meditation.org you can sign up for free it's absolutely free yesterday they did a beautiful so hum meditation on um, and kind of just considering the uh, statement that I am my deepest desire and so they it mostly it is self-guided with lovely kind of little background music you do a little breath work and centering work and then you have the meditation so in case you're thinking about something that you and you wanted to maybe try meditation without going to a class and sitting, trying to sit for an hour or something, you can do this uh, sit, seated on the floor, seated, on a, seated in a chair. You can do it right at your computer. Uh, again, it's at uh, ChopraCenterMeditation.org. And this is brought to you as a free 21-day meditation. It started yesterday, so today's only the second day. I'm sure you can review yesterday's message. And it's brought to you from Opera Winfrey and Deepak Chopra. So, yep, it's just about that time. So I'm going to share with you this beautiful prayer from Albert Schweitzer for the animals. He says, Hear our prayer, O God, for our friends, the animals, especially for the animals who are suffering, for any that are hunted or lost or deserted, deserted or frightened or hungry, for all that must be put to death. We entreat for them all thy mercy and pity, and for those who deal with them we ask a heart of compassion and gentle hands and kindly words. Make us, ourselves, to be true friends to animals, and so to share the blessings of the merciful. This is KUCI. I am Tani Tenuvio. I would love to hear from you if you'd like to send me an email at askanelf at yahoo.com, especially if you are contemplating a non-turkey Thanksgiving. I would love to give you a good job and a hello and something. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. And please stay uh, with us. The Blue and Gold Report will be back next week. 
Uh, no UCI Athletics today, but we will be having a special offering of a reading from one of the books of C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, about the afterlife, in remembrance of his leaving this planet 50 years ago this year on November 22nd, the very same day that J.F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, was uh, left us as well. So here is a little um, music from, oh, let's Oh, let's do hear that. I think we should hear that Misty Mountains song again because it's just so lovely. Love to hear dwarves singing. And um, Richard Armitage does a great job. So hopefully I got the right CD this time. <laughs> this is KZI in Irvine. Until next week, Elin Salah Lumin Amentielvo, A Star Shines on the Hour of Our Meeting. So have a great week. Be safe and give someone a big hug and a kiss. UCI in Irvine.